Stop me if you've heard this one before. Comedy comes from truth. Okay, how about this? There's nothing more subjective than comedy. In the courts of medieval kings, jesters were often given leeway to joke about sensitive topics. Topics that for anyone else would be over the line. In today's world of social responsibility, we ask stand-up comedians exactly where that line should be drawn. And just as importantly, who should hold the pen? I'm Austin Toy. This is Laughing Matters. It's like, I think every comedian's had the experience where they think of something in the shower and they're like, oh my God, I'm glad no one else heard that. Slow down and think about it. If you want to be provocative about it, you better be damn fucking good at it. I wish there was that long prop cane that could just be getting them off stage. No, it's, it's not going to hurt you. Hearing somebody else's opinion is not going to hurt you. It's okay. Like, if you're not being raw, they know. Say whatever the fuck you want to say, but understand that there's going to be consequences. White guys' voices are the default. White guys are the ones who matter. I feel like I'm using the word unfortunately a lot. That would be a miracle if you made a joke where nobody got offended and everybody laughed. I like smokers. Uh, I think I like a smoker because that's a man I cannot live. <laughs> or outrun. <laughs> you guys are scary. <laughs> that's Knoxville comic Rowan Young. Rowan is a producer of Tiny Stage Comedy, a local conglomerate of comics, and she helped put me in touch with some of the comics we've heard from thus far. Big thanks to Rowan. Well, I can speak for myself with this because everything I say is dirty. Like, my comedy is just, that's uh, not everything, but it's pretty, I've just, I've got a lot of sex jokes and just a lot, a lot of weird stuff. And when I first started, it was way weirder and it was rough performing around here. I mean, I would... I would just bomb over and over and over and over. And recently I, I figured out how to tighten up my writing a little bit so that I can get away with that um, sort of rated R humor. But I also, a few months ago, got to experience a tour through Colorado. And I was like, oh, shit, people are really different here. So I got to finally see that difference in terms of the South versus other places. I would describe it as people here clutch their pearls a bit more <laughs> when you say things. I asked Rowan if some topics should always be off limits. Absolutely. I do. We actually have a, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not for censoring material at all. I do. This is something I'm still figuring out my opinion on, to be honest. I'm so young, but part of me feels like anything goes. It's comedy. And your punishment for saying stupid shit is you're going to bomb or the audience isn't going to laugh. Um, that said, being a producer, I've had experiences where comics in town at a mic I was doing said stuff that was uh, transphobic or in my mind, uh, hate speech. And that's not okay with me. So I did put up a rule for my shows, no hate speech. Obviously, you know, people cannot say the N word. I don't like for people to say any kind of slurs, like no slurs, that's a hard, fast rule. But then it's like, is it a hard, fast rule? Because 
there's smart jokes out there that I've heard that use. So it's, it's so subjective. It's hard for me, like a 26 year old girl to say, uh, I lean towards thinking that if it's, if you shouldn't joke about it, if it's not your experience, um, I just think it's hard to make it funny if it's not something that you've been through yourself. Whether you're entertaining or whether you're trying to thought, you know, get people to think about something in a different way, you have to first make it funny. That's what makes you a comedian is you have to make it funny. And if you do your job well, then you make people think it, it hurts my heart sometimes to see people who have a particular shtick. I'm not going to name any names because I love the person who does this, but like sometimes they will do stuff and I'm like, ah, because they'll miss an opportunity for a really clever, insightful kind of joke. And they kind of go for the, the cheap laugh. It's not, it's not uh, controversial in any way. It's just, it's just, you know, dumb, like, you know, ah, you smell or whatever versus like, ah, you know, mm, make them think, but that's part of it, right? Like you, you, not every band can be Led Zeppelin. That's Knoxville comic Victor Agreda. I asked Victor if he tried to push the envelope in his comedy. I didn't go into uh, uh, like race, for instance, um, although I'm Hispanic and my dad's from Bolivia. Uh, I didn't really go into a lot of that. Um, so in some ways, yeah, I did kind of stay away from it. Um, and I also I, I had a, a a strong like hard line on no jokes about suicide and no jokes about rape. Um, so, yeah, I guess I did consciously stay away from those topics. There are really good comedians out there who are extremely thought provoking, who really do like and they can push the, the envelope. I mean, Jeselnik is a great example. Victor's referring to comic Anthony Jeselnik, who is famous for his twisted brand of comedy, but also for finding meaning in the macabre. Like he is the master of edgy comedy, but done in a way where it is undeniable, like it's still funny, you know? And the, the, as far as the place in society, I'll tell you this, uh, my grandfather got into genealogy as he got older. And he claims that I may have been descended from one of the court jesters of, uh, Charlemagne. And, you know, the legend is that court jesters, you know, were the only ones who could tell truth to the King and all this kind of nonsense. And I don't know how much of that's historically accurate, um, attested, but, you know, there is that idea. So I do think that comedians do have a role to play uh, in awareness, in getting people to think about certain things. Um, and I said this years ago, and there's a guy named Baratunde Thurston who actually kind of monetized this as a marketing technique, which is use comedy to lower someone's um, objections, right? And then they can receive this message. And you can do that with politics and you can do that with health information safety information we do it all the time in training videos what the best training videos use comedy effectively i think the safest thing to do as a comic is to stick to just try to make people laugh and that's what i did for the longest time i mean especially if you're first starting i think it's stupid to be a brand new comic that's like i'm gonna talk about social justice and climate change and all this shit it's like no you're lucky if you write a good cum joke, you know, it's like, just try to be funny. And then now 
I'm not good yet, but I am a few years in and I finally feel like, okay, I can try to start writing about these things that actually matter to me because the other option is to stop, to, to stop writing because I just, I wasn't writing. I stopped for a while until I realized I don't necessarily want my whole set to be about boys. <laughs> I want to talk about things that are a little more important. I do. I mean, it's crazy to say, like, I think we need comedy because it's the stupidest art form. It's my favorite, but it's so silly. Um, but I do. I mean, and people I know I personally do. Um, it's just changed my life. It's shaped who I am as a person. It's helped me form some of the strongest relationships that I have ever known. And I know for my friends that perform with me, like it's a space for us, especially the tiny stage shows like I hate this term, but it's truly a safe space where I can just go be whoever I am and say what I want to say. And I hope that my friends and the comics I work with feel the same way. And then, yeah, the audience members can come there and experience that freedom with us. And it's a pretty beautiful feeling. I asked Victor if amateur comics feel more pressure to be edgy. It's like the uh, the band name phenomenon, right? Like you're not, uh, with a few exceptions, you've got like butthole surfers. I mean, guarantee you people told butthole surfers, please change your name. You're never going to get, you know, top 40 with that. They did. Um, but for them, the, the Diary of Planets, another good one. I mean, they, they, great band, incredible sound. Like they should be 20 times bigger than they are. But their name probably like is a hindrance, you know, and so um, yeah, there's there's a there's there's a little bit of that, you know, of if you're really underground, you can kind of push the envelope. But at the same time, open mics that's kind of been the thing for open mics, right? Is that like you can test stuff out before everybody had a recording device in their hand? Comics would go and deliberately try really crazy ass shit. I mean. Andrew Dice Clay didn't come up with that character from whole cloth. Like he workshopped that at open mics by being a dumbass through part of his set. And then it became his character, you know, Larry the Cable Guy, same thing. It was like, it wasn't just something they didn't sit down and like Mozart create this character, you know, it kind of evolved at those open mics. And so that, that's seen as like a safe place ironically, <laughs> for people to be, you know, shitty sometimes. Even if it's offensive to me, it might make me laugh. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's just a natural inclination to where if you hear it and it's funny, I'm like, all right, well, that was funny. I mean, I think it's wrong for this, this, and this reason, but it might still be funny. I think if you're funny, you're funny. And there's so many idiots out there that people are gonna, but at the same time with cancel culture and all that there's definitely more pressure to not say the wrong thing <laughs> and to be a little bit more careful and aware of the implications of what you're saying which isn't a bad thing i don't think again if you go back to the sort of mythological uh trope of the of the court jester the whole idea is that when things are not uh off bounds then that freedom allows you to really explore ideas at their most, like at their essence, you know, 
And so you can take something like sanctity of life, you know, and really see like, how far are you going to take this thing? You know, I mean, that was the whole point about the aristocrats, right? Is that like, you're, you're telling this incredibly disgusting thing. You're trying to push it as far as you can to other comics who you, you know, have had worse thoughts in their sick minds than you're saying out loud right now. And it's this dance between like, am I going to say the thing that I'm not supposed to say to any other human being on the war and on the earth? Cause it makes me a sick fucker. Right. To these other people, because they're my safe, my safety net. Can I say that around them? Like how much can I say that's disgusting to these other people who supposedly won't judge me because they're just as fucked up as I am. Comedians do have to have that, uh, that space. And, they have to have that because they're not coming at it from a, I want to control you, right? When a, when a politician says that immigrants are not human beings, they're doing that to try to control someone, whether it's the immigrants, or the people who hate the immigrants or whatever, they're trying to control someone. A, a comedian just wants to get fucking paid, maybe drunk, maybe laid. Like, that's it. That's their great ambition. So, yeah, they should be able to say shit because the, the net result is not going to be them running for office. One hopes, one fucking hopes. Like if they did, they never were a comedian to begin with. <laughs> I asked Victor if comedians should be canceled for making offensive jokes. So I'm a bit, it's weird because like I, I almost with nothing else, I'm very kind of free market in this way where I'm like, say whatever the fuck you want to say, but understand that there's going to be consequences. And if there's enough people out there who are just like, you're a piece of shit then you know what? Maybe it's time to look inward. The real way to affect change is to take a minute and to think of how you can put yourself, I think, put yourself in the other person's shoes. I think that's the first step is like empathy, even if they said the craziest shit and then try to put yourself on their level. If you can, I think it's easiest to do that if you're not the person that was butt of the joke. If you can be an advocate for that person and try to explain why what they said wasn't okay and how to do better. And then the next step is that person showing accountability for screwing up. Um, there was one experience, the one I told you about where we had an open mic and somebody said something that was not acceptable to me. And I, but it was something I didn't know that we had just let do it. And also it was a man. And as a woman, that's, it's just, it's tricky for me sometimes knowing, I don't know this person, they were drunk. They, that's part of why they said the stupid shit. So I just used my intuition. I was like, maybe let's just never book this person again and not take the time to talk to them but then later i wish that i'd spoken up and said something so it's it's situational even if you're just trying to be edgy and you don't believe a damn thing like you could dress up like a nazi as a character as a bit and go up there and say the worst shit at the end of the day if you come out of there and and say no notes i'm not gonna look in like at myself at all this was perfect blah 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 like no fucking that's not art like that's just you being a dumbass like art involves that inflection and that insight and you know it has to go somewhere be something do something or whatever and especially if you want to be provocative about it you better be damn fucking good at it that's the thing is that i say i won't write 
a suicide joke. I won't write a rape joke. I have heard them and they have made me laugh. And you know what I mean? Like I, I, I can't argue with results. I'm a man of science and by God, there's the empirical evidence They they do exist and they did happen. And I can't deny that. I sort of think that it's easier to write edgy jokes. Um, but that's just my experience. It's easier for me to write dirty. It's really hard for me to write clean. Um, so I don't know if people necessarily think, oh, I'm going to push it. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. I think that those people just are maybe taking the easy way out and writing what's easy. Um, kind of like punching down. Like it's just, you know, take, take the time, give it a little more thought and come up with something a little more clever so that you can be edgy, but you can still be a smart writer. It's somewhat the difference between commercial art and fine art, you know, and some people art fills a need you know and if you went into a hotel room that didn't have anything on the walls you'd probably feel like you're gonna get murdered so you know but no one's going in and going like oh this should be in a museum you know it's it's it, that's the joke right it's like it's not that great but it fills a need and so that's kind of my thing is like if it fills that need and you get a job i mean look dad jokes right puns things like that these are not things that you're going to be thinking about for the rest of your life. But you watch something like Nanette. Uh, I mean, hell, if you watch an old Bill Hicks special, if you watch a George, any George Carlin, you will be thinking, you'll be quoting that shit for weeks afterwards, you know? And because it's still relevant, it's still important today. Um, humans haven't changed much. It's, it's the reason why we still do Greek plays. You know, that stuff still happens. Um, and it's totally fine to have that, this timeless art, and have jokes about George Bush's pubic hairs or whatever the fuck, you know, like who remembers, like who cares, right? If it comes naturally, if you see something and it's like, holy shit, you know, what if the president ate a live baby feet first on TV? You know, like that's offensive to a lot of people. I said it a lot about Trump while he was president. I said he could eat a live baby feet first on TV and his followers wouldn't say shit. That's hugely imagine saying that in the 70s about Nixon. You know what I mean? Like they'd have hauled my ass off. So Nanette would have never been platformed to begin with. What we're seeing now is people who would have never been given a voice before are getting a voice. I mean, hell, it was an anomaly to have someone like uh, Eddie Murphy fill in stadiums because it was a black male comedian yeah you know a lot of comics fucking hated that special <laughs> they were all like oh shit this is too real <laughs> mm. i mean honestly every that, that's not their reasoning was that it wasn't comedy it wasn't jokes which it kind of wasn't like i can see that it wasn't your traditional stand-up set that's for sure but i watched that and it made me think really hard which i liked and i did think about it i thought about it because i have jokes about relationships that actually were traumatic for me and you know with exes and parent figures and all that and I was I tried to be mindful about if it, those bring up any sort of trauma for me or anything and they don't like I, I feel proud because I got some good jokes out of that shit and that's how I feel about it but maybe for other people it's a little bit different I mean, yeah, a lot of comics have trauma, but a lot of human beings have trauma. We're all kind of fucked up. And 
comics just happen to be, you know, we talk into a microphone about it, but I think everyone relates on a certain level. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of comics that are also have had, had good childhoods and take care of themselves. And a few weeks ago, I said to him, I was like, well, why is everyone that does comedy so twisted like it's just because it is hard when you're trying to be like a healthy person with healthy habits to go to certain environments where everyone's really going through it and he was like yeah but every job's like that every workplace is like that I mean everybody there's there's the person you want to avoid there's the person that drinks a little everybody's got their thing so I, I just don't know if it's specific to comedy or not that's it. That catharsis comes from knowing that like, oh shit, I'm not the only person that thought that, you know, and that's, that's extremely valuable. And I would say that there's a lot of healing that can happen in that because when people don't feel like they're alone, they're a lot less scared. Seth Meyers, uh, you know, he had a Netflix special and, and while Trump was president, he had a thing where he was like, if you want to skip and they had a button and you could skip all the political stuff in the whole special, mm-hmm. that was brilliant. Um, and then you got people like, you know, Nate Bargatze and, um, oh gosh, the trucker hat guys from Tennessee too, Dusty Slay, um, who do very, like, I would call it, uh, six flags over Georgia type humor, you know, nothing wrong with it. It's funny. Um, but it's, it's a Jerry Clower type stuff. You know what I mean? It's like not offensive. It's funny jokes for simple folks you know it's like and i'm not saying that like as a dig because they're both really funny guys um but like it's it's just not offensive it's it's human foibles and that's part of the thing is that like here's here's another thing too you can be edgy that's a choice just like you can take that edginess and make it incredibly banal and that's a choice as well you know what i mean so it's like just like you're making a cake you can make it vanilla or you can make it like half chili powder, half dark chocolate. Like you make it as fucking nuts as you want to. I think that there's still insight to be gained. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, the first time you hear something is the first time you hear something. So if it takes somebody whose fart jokes make you giggle to think about distribution of wealth, then cool, you know, why not? I write about my life and when something isn't working or when I can tell the audience just isn't quite there because I heard that advice from someone else, what I think is, okay, how can you make this truer? Like what can make this more real? And that's how I write. And that's how I usually get to what that funniest thing is. Cause the audience can sniff it out. Like if you're trying to zhuzh it up, like if you're not being raw, they know. If I've never had cancer and I do jokes about cancer, I need to know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. And if I've not experienced a thing, how the hell do I know what the hell I'm talking about? You know, Um, if it's not absurdist, then it's like most of your comedy is very personal and comes from your personal experience. So if you've not had experience with that, it's just very disingenuous. You know, what is the role that you're playing? Are you really playing yourself are you playing this like big version of you or are you playing a completely made up bullshit character like larry the cable guy used to be i would think okay what should i say what do people want to hear what is the audience gonna like and now i'm just like what do i want to say and what do i have to say 
So where does that leave us? Is comedy truth? Is it saying what you want and not caring who you offend? Is it a vehicle for social change? Maybe it's all of these things at once. I don't think the goal of this project was ever to come up with concrete answers, but rather to celebrate the civil and open discussion of difficult and divisive topics. I hope after hearing the wise and equally profane words of our selected comics, we can all move forward with a little more compassion, patience, and understanding. Thank you for listening. <laughs>